I'm doing great, Adrian. It's great to be here with you. A little sound glitch here, but uh, we're on our way. And as long as we're streaming and you can hear us, we're good. Yeah, <laughs> that is, that's all we ask. Yeah. <clears throat> well, this is the Reason Probe. This is a weekday Bible answer program where you can join us on our live stream. And we take questions from you, the audience, people joining us from all over the globe, in fact, asking questions about how to apply specific passages to your personal life, or perhaps you want to know um, <clears throat> whether or not tr Christianity has truth to it. Is it based on historical fact, or can we trust the Bible having been preserved, and is it really inspired by God? That and many, many other questions that people have asked over the more than 20 years we've been doing this program. So we would encourage you to join us, and there are multiple ways that you can do that. Of course, you can join us on our live stream on Facebook. Uh, you go to facebook.com and forward slash at CCF Tucson. That is our Facebook page where we live stream all of our services as well as this program. Simply join the live stream, use the comment section to ask your questions, and we'd be happy to do the best we can to tackle those questions as we do um, <coughs> throughout the program. So feel free to uh, join us there. And if you would prefer to go to YouTube, we also live stream there. And if you happen to catch us on these social media platforms, we would really appreciate it if you would subscribe and like our uh, our program as well as share it on your newsfeed on Facebook or at the very least uh, like and subscribe here on YouTube. Also hit that notification bell so that you know when we go live. We live stream not just this program but all of our services and we are a church that teaches uh, through the Bible book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So let's say you wanted to go through uh, a study on the book of First John, you can actually follow it verse by verse to the entire book at the full context of, of the entire book, and we have those archived on our website, so feel free to join us there if you can. Our YouTube live stream handle is at a reason for hope 546 so just go to youtube.com forward slash at a reason for hope 546 We also archive our program, A Reason for Hope, on Rumble, so if you missed the program and you'd like to catch it, we categorize them by the three top questions asked during that program, so it's very easy to filter through, and perhaps there's a question we've already dealt with that rather than answering it again or asking it again, you can go to Rumble and just kind of look through and uh, see if we've uh, satisfied your hunger for truth. Also, we're trying to grow our Rumble audience. We haven't live streamed there yet, but if you want to follow us there, we would really appreciate that. And if you do, thank you. If you don't want to engage you know, publicly in a social media platform, you can also just watch the live stream and our services on our website. So you go to calvarychristianfellowship.com, hit the watch live tab, and not only can you watch this program live, but there's a little comment box where you can ask your questions as well as a nifty little button where you can make a prayer requests. So we'd encourage you to do that. We'd be happy to go before the Lord on your behalf if you have any uh, prayer needs. Finally, we have a Bible app that we encourage you to download if you're a part of our community and you haven't done so yet. You can download our own app from the iTunes or Apple Google Play stores. And on this app, you can not only follow along on our community calendar services, the live stream, there's also a nifty digital Bible where you can leave notes, highlight, uh, join chat groups, start chat groups, and so much more. So I'd encourage you to check that out if you haven't had done so. And uh, also, we live stream 
on all Amazon Fire products as well as Roku. So if you have one of those devices, you can search for us, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson, and add our channel to the, your lineup and you can watch our live streams there. Finally, if you want to ask a question a little more discreetly and you'd rather do it the old-fashioned way by emailing us, you can do that at questionsforhope at gmail.com. That's questionsforhope, all spelled out, no numbers, at gmail.com if you're listening in on the radio. And finally, before we get to your questions today, I'd like to encourage you to follow our senior pastor, Scott Richards, on Twitter. Go to twitter.com and search for Scott Richards or just type in his Twitter handle. It's at ScottR4H. That's at ScottR4H. Very entertaining and very uh, informative Twitter feed, so I'd encourage you to check it out if you would like to do that. Well, now it's time to... Uh, Take some questions. Yeah. Want to take a minute to pray for our time? Oh, absolutely. Let's invite the Lord to uh, honor us with his presence here today. Lord, thank you so much that you love us and that your mercies are new every morning. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you, Lord, that we aren't left to try to figure our way through this world, through human reasonings or uh, man's philosophies or, or even uh, more uh, trusting our gut feelings or the things that we think are going on in our heart. Uh, you, as the good shepherd of the sheep, want to lead us to green pasture and still water. And Lord, we desperately need your help to be able to do that. So Father, we commit this uh, time to you. We pray the questions we would answer would be the questions uh, that you would want us to discuss. We pray for those that maybe are on the outside looking in at a relationship with you, that you would speak to them and show them how they can know you in a personal way before this broadcast is even over. We pray many would come to a place of trusting in you and relying upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you. And uh, do you have anything you want to share before we... Oh, yeah. Questions? Yeah, you know, oftentimes uh, we uh, uh, talk about prophecy updates uh, on the program here. And inevitably, when you hear the term prophecy update in the context of a broadcast like this, or maybe even on social media, uh, over the air media, you name it, uh, it always uh, seems to be something on the negative. Wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, famines in many places, earthquakes, uh, you name it. Who's uh, uh, working on facilitating the mark of the beast? Who could be the Antichrist? These are the things that uh, usually come up. But uh, this last weekend, uh, there was, a, I, I believe, a, a sign of the times that is all the way over on the other side. And that is uh, that I believe as the time of the Lord's return draws near, uh, there is going to be a tremendous uh, outreach to non-believers. There's going to be a number of people that are going to be brought in, uh, if you will, at the last minute to God's family. And uh, I, I do believe that we are seeing that. We're certainly seeing that here at Calvary Christian Fellowship, just the number of people are making decisions for Christ, number of people following through and being baptized um, on a, uh, a weekly, if not monthly basis here at the church. Uh, just the, uh, the fact that uh, people are, are uh, excited about their walk with God, they're excited about prayer, they're seeing the Lord move in powerful uh, ways in their lives. And so uh, in this positive side of living in the last days, uh, I'd like to share with our audience uh, an amazing statistic that took place last week, and it's near and dear to my heart. It uh, involves a place where I was directly involved in ministry at one point in uh, my, uh, my service to the Lord. 
And that is uh, over the weekend at a place called Pirate's Cove, which is in uh, Newport Harbor. Uh, over 4,500 people got baptized on Saturday. 4,500. Now, to put that into biblical perspective for you, 3,000 uh, men, not counting women and children, uh, were baptized following uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So, you know, this is no small incident here. And, and uh, obviously, there were uh, a number of uh, feeders for this uh, amazing outreach that was going on. But it largely was in response to uh, Greg Laurie's Harvest Crusades, which took place over uh, uh, the last week. And I think it is so interesting, uh, especially uh, where we are in the book of Acts, how sometimes when there's resistance from the powers that be, all that does is prime the pump for the Lord to do something even more mind-blowing. I think this is an example of that uh, because uh, for, uh, boy, the last couple of decades, uh, the Harvest Crusade, especially in Southern California, has been held at Anaheim Stadium, the home of the Anaheim Angels, which is a stadium that seats around 50,000 uh, people, uh, usually ends up packed out. Uh, I've had the opportunity to be able to uh, be a decision counselor there on uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the field afterwards. And it's just a spectacular thing to see so many people just filling mm. the outfield at Anaheim Stadium making decisions for Christ. Oh, well, I went to Promise, promise Keepers there. Well, uh, again, uh, this, this evangelistic outreach that has gone on there, well, a uh, monkey wrench got thrown their way in that uh, the Anaheim Angels decided, the organization decided, that uh, the Harvest Crusade, having it there, especially during the baseball season, uh, was uh, problematic because it could tear up the field it could uh, create uh, some defects that could cause injuries to the uh, Anaheim Angels players. And so they basically ended the relationship uh, with uh, Greg Laurie and the Harvest Crusades. The uh, Harvest Crusade uh, was moved uh, to the Honda Arena, which is uh, where the Anaheim Mighty Ducks uh, play their hockey uh, game. It's about 18,000 people. Well, you know, people were wondering, gosh, you know, with uh, that kind of limited capacity, you know, what is going to happen to uh, the response uh, to uh, the, the Harvest Crusade? And Greg Laurie, for those of you who are not aware of who he is, Calvary Chapel guy, uh, his life was detailed in the Jesus Revolution movie uh, that came out uh, a few months ago. Uh, and he's been doing these crusades. In fact, I was kind of there as these crusades sort of morphed. I used to be the head of decision counseling for his ministry on Monday nights when it was at Calvary Costa Mesa, which was an auditorium that seated roughly about 3,000 people. Uh, and then uh, Greg decided to step things up and uh, move the harvest, uh, his, his outreach, uh, to the Pacific Amphitheater. Uh, which was a uh, venue that seated about uh, oh, 10,000, 15,000 wow. people. Uh, and that was a, a big step of faith. Chuck Smith encouraged him to do that. And lo and behold, the Pacific Amphitheater filled up. And uh, then they made this decision to go to Anaheim Stadium. And lo and behold, Anaheim Stadium filled up. Well, you know, the question was, now that they can't do it at Anaheim Stadium anymore, uh, what, what's going to happen to the response uh, to the Harvest Crusade? Well, uh, from what I've heard, and the final statistics aren't in, but the last statistic I heard from uh, Greg Laurie's organization, uh, over 6,500 people indicated first-time decisions for Christ 
uh, at this outreach. And as a result of this, this baptism that took place at Pirate's Cove, and again, if, you were, if you've seen the Jesus Revolution movie, uh, you know that uh, a big part of the movie was filmed there and uh, you know, showing Greg and his, his wife uh, making their decisions for Christ and uh, giving that uh, outward declaration of that inward change that happened there, a really moving thing. Well, apparently it moved an awful lot of people. Uh, while I was on staff at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, I was in part of uh, the baptisms that we would have there on a regular basis. And uh, boy, huge crowds uh, would turn out. There were uh, like 12 of us that were out there uh, uh, to assist Pastor Chuck in baptizing. Usually uh, what that amounted to was a line of about 300 people waiting for Chuck to baptize them. And then finally, if they got tired of waiting for Chuck, they'd come to one of us. So we're standing about, uh, oh, like waist deep in this really cold, cold water there. And it's just kind of going up and down on your abdomen. Uh, but uh, but the, the fact of the matter was, you, you didn't even care because it was just so wonderful seeing all of these people uh, making this profession of faith in Christ. And, you know, certainly uh, there were some of these baptisms that I was a part of that I would say, at the very least, uh, you know, 700 to 1,000 people would get baptized in one fell swoop at these things. And it would happen on a regular basis. But uh, this was one that was just absolutely off the charts. You see the pictures that were run online. There were people just lined up all the way down the beach at Pirate's Cove and up the stairs waiting for their opportunity uh, to get baptized this weekend. So uh, Harvest uh, the Christian Fellowship, where Greg's the senior pastor, they obviously had their pastors there. There were a number of other uh, churches from uh, the greater Orange County area that participated in all of that. But man, stop and think about that. One baptism service on a Saturday and 4,500 people uh, got baptized. You know, one of the uh, raps that sometimes comes up about uh, crusade-oriented ministry is they'll say, well, you know, these people make decisions, but who knows how they follow through, yada, yada, yada. It was just an emotional sort of a thing. But uh, a good percentage of those that uh, were uh, baptized there were uh, people that uh, were reached at the Harvest Crusade uh, over uh, the last week. So uh, even though there was resistance from the powers that be, if you will, uh, the Anaheim Angels were not, uh, and their organization were not uh, cooperative this time around. Uh, smaller venue, obviously. Uh, there were questions about uh, how effective this would be. But 6,500 plus making first-time decisions for Christ, not counting rededications. And uh, 4,500 at last estimate uh, being baptized over the weekend. I want to tell you something. God is moving. He is moving in a really powerful way. And if you spend all your time, you know, staring at one of these boxes and just seeing, you know, bad going to worse, going to worse in this world, you, you might think that that's not the case that God really isn't doing a whole lot, that, that Satan is, is getting over. And certainly uh, there are some, uh, some decidedly uh, satanic things going on here. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, the reaction, uh, if you will, uh, to uh, the, uh, the, the film that was released about human trafficking over the weekend that actually outdid the Indiana Jones uh, movie. Uh, the, the criticisms seem to be, oh, you know, this is conspiracy theory stuff and, and so on. Well, it's a true story that was told about a, a fellow that got involved with trying to make a difference, trying to rescue people that were being uh, sexually trafficked, little children and so on. Uh, I understand the movie is uh, pretty 
uh, graphic, uh, you know, as, as far as uh, really showing you what's going on with this sort of thing. But uh, interestingly, it's not a new movie. It was a movie that was made about six years ago, uh, and uh, Disney kind of sat on it uh, for a while. Finally, Disney sold the rights. It went out, and nobody thought it was going to do very much, but it outpaced even the Indiana Jones mm-hmm. movie that has hit uh, theaters. So, wow. so God, uh, I want to tell you, you see these sort of things, and you hear about the evil and wickedness in this world, but it brings me back to something the Apostle Paul noted, where sin did abound, Grace did much more uh, abound. And I think we are seeing this marvelous wave, this outpouring of God's grace that is going on. And uh, who wouldn't want to be a a part of that? You know, there's a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, I'd I'd love to share my faith with people. I just really don't know how. Let me give you, especially if you're a little reticent about sharing your faith, just a great way that you can make Jesus the subject of, of a conversation, a very uh, non-offensive, uh, uh, you know, non-confrontive kind of a way. Just wait till you hear somebody complaining uh, about what's going on in the world today. Uh, someone that's really depressed and discouraged about these sort of things, and uh, maybe even depressed and discouraged about what's going on in their life. And uh, just say to them, wow, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that feel that way. Could I pray for you about that? You know, uh, Pam and I have found that just having that in the back of our minds in the conversations we have, both inside and outside the church, it's such a powerful thing because uh, the only people who've ever turned me down when I've said that have been people who've identified as Christians. I've never had a single non-Christian turn me down when I said, can I pray for you? And inevitably, large majority of the cases and you know and i don't pray some hooping and hollering king james english loaded you know kind of oh lord come up on you know. uh, but just talking to the lord and just uh, you know saying lord you love us and you showed us by sending your son to die for us and it's such a wonderful thing and i pray for this person and what they're going through that they would understand how much you love them and uh and 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 the price you're willing to pay to to, to forgive them and, and to show them you want to be a part of their life and uh, inevitably, what happens is you just talk to the Lord like you're talking to the Lord. And, uh, you know, we get done and say amen. And in the majority of cases, even non-believers, they'll have tears running down their face. Mm-hmm. And they'll say things to me like, nobody has ever prayed for me before. Wow. And it is just such a great uh, entree, you know, if, if you've, you've ever kind of felt intimidated about, uh, you know, just contact evangelism and, you know, street evangelism, street witnessing, you know, how do I share my faith and, and so on? How do, I, how do I broach the subject of Jesus? Just remember that. Listen to people who are discouraged and distressed and, when, and just listen to them, just hear them. I mean, that's sometimes the most loving thing that you can do for anybody is just hear them out. And, and when they come to the end, just ask that question, can I pray for you? And, and then just pray for them like you and God were just talking about them just one-on-one. Not that you're, you're using, dear Lord, and, and uh, you know, then you start preaching at them. You know, just talk to the Lord, invite the Lord into that conversation. You'll be demonstrating to them what a living relationship with Jesus is all about. Hmm. That it's not religion, that, that we do have this connection with a God who loves us. And, and it's just so exciting, you know, whether it's the Harvest Crusade and 4,500 people getting baptized, the awesome things that God is doing 
here in this church. It is just so amazing to, to see how many people's lives are being changed or people coming up and saying, oh, you prayed for us last week and the doctor told me I had blood clots and, and now they're gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that just happened yesterday. And, and it is so exciting uh, to see the Lord moving and at work. And uh, he's just looking for people who will be open to that sort of thing. You don't have to be a salesman. You don't have to, you know, have your, you know, four-point whammy or something like that all put together. Just love people and love the Lord and ask him for those opportunities. I guarantee you, God is far more interested in giving you those divine appointments. You don't have to force. You don't have to, you know, hey, would you like me to pray for, you know, you know, you're just perceptive now, where people are at. You know, demonstrate that you care about them. The old saying is true. People don't care how much you know until they know how much mm-hmm. you care. And just ask to pray for them mm-hmm. and, and see what the Lord does. And, and that's just one way. I'm not saying that's the only way. Sometimes people will get into these kind of formats uh, where they are, are just really enamored of uh, a presentation like the Four Spiritual Laws or the Way of the Master mm-hmm. or things like this. But, uh, but it's good to have... Uh, you know, kind of a working knowledge of all those things. All of them bring something to the table. But uh, find that place where you're most comfortable uh, being in a, in a situation where you go, okay, Lord, use me. Use me. Use me to connect and communicate your truth with people. I think Jesus is coming back soon. And I think that uh, these, these unprecedented kind of outpourings that we're seeing right now are a good indicator that uh, the Lord's coming back. And who wouldn't want to be found doing his master's business? Uh, when the rapture took place. Mm. so Indeed. Speaking yeah. of uh, outreach, our church here in Tucson, Arizona are doing a special event this Saturday. Uh, if you want to participate or join us, it's at the Tank of Verde Swap Meet. And it's this Saturday, and we'll be doing a little bit of a program. Uh, several of us here in the church will be doing what we're going to call it hip-hop and magic. And so I'll be doing a little performing. One of our other gifted artists here in our fellowship will be doing a little performing. And then we're going to just invite people to come to our booth. We have a booth there every Friday. Right. And this, uh, this Saturday we'll have one there on that day as well. And uh, we'll be just asking people to come and, and talk to us about what really matters. So if you want to participate, be at our booth, talk with people, or just pray with people, or just attend. Uh, I'd encourage you to come check it out. This uh, our first program will be, I believe, around 7:30 p.m., and then we'll do another one at 8:30 p.m. Saturday night. Take a birdie swap meet. Check it out. Okay, awesome. awesome. Yeah. Well, let's get to our first question. Was uh, will people who have uh, this is from Talon? Uh, will people who have blind faith be greater than people who have reasonable faith in heaven? And I think what Taylor's getting at is that there are some people who have maybe a limited understanding and in-depth knowledge about the Bible, so that would be considered sort of, yeah, I just believe, you know, Jesus is like the thief on the cross. Yeah. I'm sure he didn't have, you know, a very in-depth seminary degree understanding of who Jesus was and the Bible and God's existence and so on, um, versus someone who has been given a lot of knowledge. Uh, will there um, will they be greater than the people who have uh, sort of more I- information? Well, I, I think uh, Talon that God uh, obviously uh, judges people uh, on an individual basis, and He takes all of their life circumstances uh, into account. But uh, you know, there are uh, some incidences where we see that uh, those 
who came from, say, a background where they really didn't have, uh, I, I guess, uh, what we might say, an expectation of really understanding uh, the concept of a Messiah or uh, who Jesus would be. Uh, these are individuals that Jesus went out of his way uh, to commend. You know, I think of uh, the Gospel of Luke uh, chapter 7, uh, where we see the encounter that Jesus had uh, with a Roman centurion. Uh, we are told that uh, when he entered Capernaum, and this is uh, Luke chapter 7 and verse 2, a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that this one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Uh, this is a Roman centurion that has done this. Uh, you know, a, a guy that went to work every day with a bullseye painted on his back because, uh, you know, one sect of Judaism, the Zealots, believed that killing a Roman for Yahweh was the highest form of service. Uh, and, and yet God had worked on this guy's heart to the point where he loved the Jewish people and he'd even devoted his own funds to build a synagogue uh, for them. Well, Jesus went with them. And when he was already uh, not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I'm not worthy that you should ever come under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and another, come, and he comes. And my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. So, uh, you know, here is a uh, Roman centurion who really had no business, if you will, uh, having faith in God, and yet demonstrated this faith that was beyond anything that Jesus had seen among those following. Everybody wanted to touch Jesus, for instance, or, or, or have him touch them as a point of release in their faith. This guy says, you don't even have to come to my house. I know how authority works, and I know you're a man of authority. Uh, I know that you even have authority over this illness. You just say the word, and it'll be done. Now, that's pretty mind-blowing. And uh, this man, obviously, was commended by Jesus. Of all the things you could say about someone in, in their life, uh, I haven't found such great faith, not even in Israel. Hmm. You know, in other words, what Jesus was saying about this centurion who's not named, this guy's faith's number one. In, in my estimation. And, and so, doesn't have the Jewish background, doesn't have the Jewish pedigree, uh, who knows how much exposure to the Jewish scriptures he actually had, how much contact he had personally had with Jesus prior to this time, but boy, with whatever he had, he ran with it. And when it really mattered to him, this servant who was dear to him, uh, evidently was the kind of guy that you'd want to have uh, be a, uh, a, even a master over you because he was so good to everybody uh, that, that worked under him. Very similar to Cornelius that we find in Romans chapter 10. Really interesting how the Bible paints such a positive picture of Roman centurions. I mean, you, you don't really ever see them spoken of in a negative light. And these were individuals who were over, as the name implies, 100 Roman soldiers. Uh, they were special forces types. They were master sergeants. Uh, sergeant majors, if you will, 
in, uh, in the Roman uh, legions. And, and yet, God reaches these guys. So I guess, uh, just to say, Talon, uh, is it more commendable uh, to have a faith like this Roman centurion? Well, I think at the beginning, yeah. But uh, the Bible also tells us something about our faith. Uh, our faith needs to be something that grows. And there are some people who say, well, you know, I just don't really want to look into, say, the reasons uh, for the Christian faith or the history behind Jesus' life, death, or resurrection, because I just feel like I have this relationship with Jesus, and that's enough for me. Great. Well, th that is enough for you. But the Bible also tells us that we shouldn't be just concerned uh, about our own things, if you will, but also the things of others. Uh, one of the reasons, and you probably uh, realize this, doing a program five days a week called A Reason for Hope, uh, how we are passionate about presenting rational reasons for putting your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Well, there's a reason for that. Um, you know, I came from a background where I thought religion was all about feelings, and it was just for little old ladies and people who didn't sleep well at night. I don't think there was any reasonable basis to it, or any factual basis uh, to the idea of a, a relationship with God. But uh, the, the, the questions that I had, uh, finding out that Jesus was real, that he really did suffer when he died on that cruel Roman cross, how he suffered, reading a journal of the American Medical Association article on the physical death of Jesus, uh, discovering that, uh, you know, we don't believe Jesus rose from the dead just because we have an experience. And believe me, I've had an experience of the Lord communicating, connecting me with his love spiritually. I don't, I don't undersell that. But it's an experience that is based upon fact, historical fact. This is what God has done for you and me in the annals of history. Uh, and, and so I think it's a both and. You know, when someone comes to the Lord and it's like, well, Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. That's all they know. Uh, great. That's a great, great, great place to start. But that shouldn't be where you stop because not only by discovering uh, the reason for the hope that is within you, as uh, Peter tells us uh, to take a look at in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, not only is that going to make you able to share with people in this very skeptical world, hey, you know, uh, you know, Jesus isn't just my thing. It isn't just something that gives me peace like, uh, say, transcendental meditation would be to someone else. This is really based on facts, and, and, and would you like to explore that with me? That's really a very powerful thing to share with others, and it's really a powerful thing to make sure we've got in our spiritual quiver uh, going through life. Uh, because sooner or later, life, Talon, is going to throw you a few things uh, that uh, you're just not ready for. Uh, loved one's going to die. Uh, a, uh, you know, dearly uh, loved relationship's going to fall apart. Uh, maybe financial woes. Uh, even the most challenging of all challenging circumstances, uh, maybe you'll get a fatal diagnosis from a doctor. Uh, what are you going to do then? Well, you know, if all our faith is is based on feeling, um, nobody feels good. And I can tell you this from personal experience. When a doctor looks at you and says, well, I'm sorry, Mr. Richards, you've got cancer. Nobody feels good at that moment. But the thing that really sustained me, like through my cancer journey, just to use an example of all of this, uh, was the fact that even when I'd feel depressed 
And there was some phenomena that I went through with my cancer that it, I would just be going along fine. And then suddenly I just felt like I'd run 15 miles. Mm. I mean, I just felt exhausted, like I could barely stand up. And, you know, it was just hard to think. And, and I just felt this incredible heaviness all over me. You know, if all my faith in Jesus was based upon was feeling good or sensing the presence of God, um, I really would have had a struggle at that point. But during those times, you know, even when I didn't feel like God was there because whatever was going on with my system or my mind or, or whatever, they still haven't figured out exactly what caused these incredible dips that I went through, even physically, just feeling like I couldn't even stand up. And, and I'd gone through depression before. This was different than depression. Um, you know, if all I had was the feelings at that point, if I couldn't say, well, in spite of how I feel at this moment, I know Jesus rose from the dead. And this is why I know he rose from the dead. History, eyewitness testimony, the riddle of the empty tomb, the overwhelming change in the life of the disciples, Jesus fulfilling Old Testament scriptures, and my own experience, thinking back to those times uh, where the Lord revealed himself to me. Boy, those are the times that helped me through and to get to the other side of these kind of things. So yeah, it's great to start out your Christian faith uh, kind of with that sort of head over heels kind of emotional, but it's like a, a relationship uh, between a man and a woman. I mean, who wouldn't want to start out a relationship with the buzz and the joy of romantic love? Mm -hmm. But sooner or later, you got to realize there's got to be more to the relationship mm -hmm. than just that. Mm -hmm. You got to build on that relationship. You've got to build through sacrificial love in that relationship. You have to, as a husband, become an expert at understanding your wife and what makes her tick and, 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 and how she uh, relates to things emotionally, even though it might be very contrary to the way you see things as a man. Uh, that's what love's all about. And so the relationship we have with Jesus works just the same way. Mm. You know, there, there is that time of excitement and, and joy, just being geeked out by the presence of the Holy Spirit. But if that's all you've got, sooner or later, there's going to come a time uh, where, you know, if, I follow Jesus because I feel good. Well, what's going to happen when I don't? When I don't feel good. You know, if I'm in love, say, with my wife because she makes me feel good or because I have this buzz of romantic love, what happens when we go through a time where that's not there? Well, that's where commitment comes in and that's where real love comes in. Mm -hmm. And, and in, just as in a romantic relationship, a husband and wife relationship, the Lord wants us to build on that relationship, not just so that we can share with others, but so that we've got a foundation that will stand even when the storms come. Mm. Thanks for the question, Taylor. Yeah. Would the converse be true as well, Scott? Um, you know, with, when Peter said, it's better to not know the way of righteousness to have known it and turn from it, I've been kind of dabbling in researching why people, quote unquote, deconstruct their faith. You know, we're talking people who have been in, who raised, were raised in the church, know the Bible, some of them have been to seminary, some of them have served in ministry, and here they are years later deciding to deconstruct their faith and then abandon it. It seems to me that there would be almost a stricter judgment when Jesus said, you know, it'd be, it'd be better off for them than yeah. for you yeah. because of the miracles that were done for you. They would have repented a long time ago. Is there a truth to Well, well let's that? talk about the stricter judgment aspect. I mean, you've articulated the scriptures there really well, but what is that stricter judgment uh, going to be all about? Well, uh, one of the things that I discovered, uh, especially uh, coming to 
people are kind of later in life, not being raised in uh, you know a Christian uh, home with a Christian school and Christian high school and Christian college. And you know, my, my education and my upbringing was really secular. And one of the most interesting things to me was just discovering what Christian culture was all about and, and how cultural Christians would relate. And, and it was really a, an interesting phenomena in seminary. There were two kinds of people that you would run into uh, in seminary. There were those uh, that you know, really loved the Lord and uh, really wanted to serve him, felt a call of God on their life. They had this testimony about how God radically saved them. And, and now they just really wanted to have you know, to the, 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 uh, in the uh, reasons to believe, the, the tools to be able to exposit the Word of God, you know, to be able to serve the Lord uh, with uh, the training that the seminary uh, would provide. That was one kind of person you'd run into there. The other kind of people you'd run into, they were really interesting. They were people that were raised in Christian homes, went to Christian schools, went to Christian grade school, junior high, high school. They went to Christian college. They got a degree from a Christian college. Uh, they didn't know what they wanted to do in life, and so they decided to go on and go to seminary. And, you know, the interesting thing about uh, these people uh, was that inevitably they weren't really all that involved in sharing the knowledge that they were getting to. And, and, and I would say their career track, uh, for lack of a better term, would be the next step would be for them to end up teaching, say, in a uh, Christian college or going on and getting their doctorate and then becoming a seminary prof. That, that was kind of the, the track that they were on. And you can do all of that. And I'm not, I'm not sitting, certainly sitting here in judgment of all of those kind of people. But it was really interesting when you would talk to them about things like, well, what's the Lord, you know, what's the Lord been doing in your life lately? And they kind of look at you blankly. Like, well, what do you mean, you know? Uh, well, you know, as, I mean, have you seen some like answered prayers in your life, you know, as, you know, God giving you like divine appointments to be able, and they just look at you like you were from Mars, mm. you know, that this was not something that, that had ever really dawned on them, you know, and, and here's, here's the tricky part. You can be uh, religious in an evangelical sense too. Mm. You can be religious and be it, do it in a Bible sense and boy, uh, you know, I, I've seen it. I've seen some people that can quote theologians and listen to this, uh, you know, pastor on the radio all the time and, and all of this stuff. But they couldn't love their way out of a paper bag to another human being. And, and it always, you know, and I try not to be judgmental about personality types. And some of us, like me, I'm a little bit more expressive and, you know, uh, get, kind of get energized by being around people and things like that. And some people just aren't that way, and I, and I get it. And there are places in the kingdom of God, again, for the quiet people that, that do the research and you know, allow us to build up our faith. I don't, I don't undersell that. But there's something that you notice in some people, whether it's in church or whether it's in seminary, that's missing. You know, they say all the right things. They do all the right things. They're very dedicated but there's nothing in their life that you can look at and say, this is inexplicable apart from the divine intervention of God. Mm. You know, it's all kind of a, a track, if you will. And I think someone that goes down that track, you know, and you might say, well, they get to the end of their lives and they, you know, deconstruct their faith or, uh, you know, we, 
we, you know, we, uh, you know, hear stories about individuals who are great evangelists who cash in their faith and write uh, books like Farewell to God, uh, you know, th that sort of thing. Well, th the question that I, that always comes up was, well, do you think uh, is once saved, always saved, or can you lose it? Do you think this person really had salvation and lost it? Or uh, were they a person that never really had it? And they were only able to phony it up for so long before the burden of religiosity finally got them. They said, forget it. Or their double life that they were living came out. Uh, you know, I've seen that happen in churches where, uh, you know, a dearly beloved, highly placed individual will say, well, you know, I might as well be out with it. I've been having an affair with the secretary for 10 years and I don't really believe this stuff at all. And be like, <gasps> you know, well, people do that. And, and the reason they're able to do that is they go along this track, you see. They don't really have a relationship with God. They've got a relationship with a Christian culture. And, and it's a very important distinction to make. And, and so, you know, you talk about, will they incur a stricter judgment? Um, I would imagine that for a person that, you know, say, just throwing things out here, say you're like Bill Maher, who's a you know, kind of Hollywood party animal, hung out at the Playboy Mansion every night and that sort of thing. He dies, stands before the Lord. Well, he's going to realize that he was wrong about a lot of things he said, especially about God and, mm -hmm. you know, making documentaries like, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Uh, and, uh, and, and he's going to definitely be sorry about that mm -hmm. when he sees the Lord. But how much more sorry do you think a person will be that, that literally gives Jesus, like he warned about in Matthew 7, the Lord, Lord, you know, do we not prophesy and teach your street? Do you name, do miracles, cast out demons? And they'll say, I never knew you. Be gone from me. You practice lawlessness. How much more crushing do you think it would be for someone to realize they were six inches away from heaven and they missed it? Hmm. I think of personalities, people that I looked up to as a young believer. I was also raised in a very non-Christian secular environment until my late teens. And uh, Joshua Harris wrote a book. Um, uh, I kissed dating goodbye. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. I, I was. I loved the book, and I sort of patterned my relationships that way. Taught it. I was in youth ministry, so I was leading all the high school kids and taught some of the principles, not the whole thing, but yeah. And then when I was ready to start dating, I, I remember picking up his book, uh, Boy Meets Girl, and I was very inspired, and I thought this is the way I'm going to date. This is how I'm going to do marriage, and follow. And then here we are now, just in the last couple of years. He's not only renounced everything he's written, but he's renounced the Christian faith and issued a big apology to the LGBT community. Yeah. And I just think, how can someone go to seminary, be a pastor? And, and I mean, I you, obviously we know that it can happen, but uh, gosh, I'm just terrified for him. Yeah. Well, you know, I, th <laughs> I, I think about uh, uh, I, my friend Brian Duncan, who is, uh, you know, is a Dove Award winning Christian musician. And. You know, when you talk to him about uh, contemporary Christian mu musicians and uh, the way that lifestyle went, you know, the amount of substance abuse, the amount of alcoholism uh, that would go on there, and, and, you know, and Brian would be the first one to talk about these sort of things. Uh, he had a, a post he put up on Twitter where he quoted a guy saying that uh, one of the greatest uh, faults of modern Christianity is uh, making it into a performance. Mm. And uh, there are people that really love the spotlight and they love the fact that they have talents and that people appreciate their talentedness but do they really 
Do they really know Jesus? Do they really know him? Uh, you know, that I think is always a live question. Sooner or later it comes out in the wash. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think about uh, Steve Taylor, uh, who was a contemporary Christian musician back in the, the uh, 80s and, and, and 90s. And boy, some of the things that he said in his music were really powerful. He, did, he had a song called On the Fritz. You know, it says he came to right the wrongs. He sang religious songs on the fritz. And, uh, you know, he kept the private he under a lock and key. Wow. You know, and it says, first they've got you thinking you're a prophet. Next they've got you living a lie. And uh, that's mm. sometimes uh, what happens. Uh, you know, just because someone can present truth or can sing about truth uh, or even inspire others with truth. God honors his truth, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think about Charles Templeton, who was Billy Graham's contemporary, mm -hmm. who d disowned the faith and wrote Farewell to God. Does that mean everybody that gave their life to Jesus at a Charles Templeton crusade wasn't saved? No, they heard the gospel. Right, yeah. You know, they put their faith in Jesus. They didn't receive Charles Templeton as their Lord and Savior, <laughs> uh, hopefully. Or uh, uh, you know, Mike Warren. Yeah, a, yeah, those sort of things. Those, those kind of individuals. And, and, you know, they're legion in our day and age. You know, the, the, uh, the high-posting, high-faluting uh, media star who uh, ends up just crashing and burning. You know, we see it all the time. And, you know, the thing that I tell people is, that's why I tell you, uh, put your faith in Jesus. Don't put your faith in these people. Don't put your faith in me, for goodness sake. Uh, James Russell Lowell once said, whatever you be, may be sure of, be sure of this. You're dreadfully like other people. Mm. And, and, but we want a hero with skin on, don't we? You know, we want someone like, oh, yeah, you're right on, man. I can, can always trust in you. Well, you know, I, I remember going to a, um, a uh, seminar on counseling uh, where Jeffrey Van Vonderen, an excellent Christian counselor, was teaching. And, and he said something I'll never forget. He goes, you want to know the difference between a true prophet and a false prophet? A false prophet will say, look at me. A true prophet will say, no, look at him. And uh, I think if you do that, then you're going to be okay. But if you're one of those false prophets, you know, you can even fool yourself for a while. Yeah. And, uh, but sooner or later, the Lord loves us enough that he's going to show you the bridge is out. Mm. And he's going to give people, every person, an opportunity to really turn to him and trust in him. Mm. But, uh, but boy, you know, you're playing with fire. It's yeah. very true. That's been my life experience. When you get thrown into the spotlight very young in your faith, it's a huge danger because you are led to think that there is a level of spirituality that you've arrived at because you're a good communicator, you're able to articulate well. Even if you're able to process biblical knowledge, and that was my experience early on, is within a couple of years, I was already in the pulpit, I was touring all over the globe, and there isn't a week that goes by where I don't have to pause and go, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I want attention and get in the spotlight? Right. And there's been times where I realized that's exactly why I'm doing this, and it, it's been a huge, uh, strong conviction, and I just thank Jesus that I know that my faith was sincere and real, and that I'm still here, <laughs> Well, even uh, when I'm out of the spotlight. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm running a risk here, but uh, forgive me. Uh, like the saying goes, faith is a heck of a drug, or fame is a heck of a drug. Um, you know, there's, there's people who become addicted to it, mm. and sometimes they can cover that addiction to fame with a lot of uh, Christian-y sounding things. But who are they when they're by themselves? You know, that's the definition yeah. of real character. Yeah, character is who yeah. you are when you're not in public. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of 
you know, introspection and, and life uh, knowing. Um, Crystallized Coyote, I love the name. Thank you, Crystallized, for joining us on YouTube. Uh, question, man, not knowing what to do in life, huh? Uh, I have a bit of a struggle with that myself. How does, it, how does someone deal with the struggle of not really knowing what to do with the life God gives you? I'm currently in college, but I'm not sure whether I'm in the right major and such. Don't really understand how to know where I'm being called. That's a great question. You know, uh, yeah, crystallized coyote. Uh, I, I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to tell you something here uh, now that I'm uh, like, uh, I've had my Beatles birthday. Uh, will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? Uh, you know, a lot of water under the bridge. And, uh, you know, it's been a long time since I was in college. But, you know, again, I felt like very early on in my walk with God, God had called me into the ministry. But then there were opportunities to deviate from that path. Uh, you know, I, I worked in radio and television for a while, and you talk about, uh, you know, being a seductive kind of a, uh, of a thing. I really enjoyed that. And, you know, it was funny. There was a time in my life through some circumstances where I just felt like I was done with ministry and I was going to go back and work in media, and that was that. And, and if it hadn't been for the Lord supernaturally intervening and giving me the opportunity to meet Pastor Chuck Smith, who gave me some great counsel about all of these things and uh, showed me that even though I'd given up on me, God hadn't given up on me. Uh, I wouldn't be in ministry today. Uh, I think it was uh, Oswald Sanders who once said that the surest way to know you're called to the ministry is you try to get out of it. And he points to Moses as a great example of all of this. First you try to do it, then you don't want to do, have anything to do with it, and then God puts you back in it because you know it's, it's him. You know it's, it's God that has done this sort of thing. So, you know, I guess what I'd say to you at, at this point, uh, and uh, I don't mean to make it sound cliche, but uh, I think sometimes the basic truths are those truths that can, uh, can guide us most effectively. And, you know, one of the most basic truths that we find uh, is found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, and in uh, verse uh, 20. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Put away from you deceitful mouth, put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. You know, the, the, the key thing there, uh, CC, is uh, the idea of keeping your heart with all diligence. And how do we keep our heart? Well, we keep our heart close to God. And there's a couple ways we can do that. Number one, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You're in college right now. You're trying to figure out what you're going to do. Well, just focus in on where you are right now, but learn in the right now in your college situation just to do justly, make sure that you are a person of integrity, love mercy, Learn how to care about people more than you even care about yourself and walk humbly with your God. 
Wake up in the morning and say, okay, Lord, here I am in school. I don't know where this is going to go, but, but you're the God that leads and guides and directs. So I just want to walk with you today. And if you want to open a door for me in a particular direction, open the doors. If you want to close a door that I think I'm, I'm supposed to go down, then, then close those doors. But, but show me your ways. Oh boy, Proverbs uh, 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. Now notice that making your paths straight is the end product of this. It's a conditional promise. You know, it starts with trusting the Lord with all your heart. Do you believe that God really does have a purpose and a plan for your life? Well, in theory, yeah, we all do, you know, for sure. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Oh, well, of course, you know, okay. Uh, can I trust God with my life, with all my heart? You know, God, get a hold of my heart. Show me those areas where I'm still holding on to things. Hold me, show me those areas where I'm still basically doing my secular thing with some religious frosting on top. Uh, you know, show me that. I want to follow you with all my heart. Lean not on my own understanding. I want to know your word. I, I want to get to know it. I, I, boy, I want to have that wisdom. Man, park yourself, CC, in Proverbs. You know, just be, be pouring over those in the Psalms, and you'll see, you know, these principles that God can use to get you where you need to go. And all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. You know, we got that promise. He's going to get you right where you need to go. Because here's the exciting thing, CC. God is more interested in guiding you and me than we are in being good. Mm. You know, he, he, he isn't just kind of saying, well, I got this perfect plan for a crystallized coyote, and, oh, hope they figure it out. Well, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Oh, well, I'm in heaven and they're on earth. I'm not all really that. No, that's, that's silly. You know, God said, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. Uh, you know, he, he says he has a plan and a purpose for our lives. He looks at our lives like a race. That's what the Apostle Paul said. And, and, you know, I think anyone that fails to understand that our lives are a race to be run for the glory of God, I think they're the ones that get off track. So right now you're training, right now you're getting your education under your belt, good on you. Uh, follow through on that, finish what you start. That's always a good uh, growth uh, thing that you can do as, uh, as far as discipline goes and focus goes. But understand something, um, you know, I can't tell you how many jobs I've had before I finally became a senior pastor. Hmm. And, and if it had been up to me to try to figure out how all this thing was gonna work, you're like, well, how do you get to be a senior pastor? I'm like, I don't know, I'm just here. God, God put me here. That's were, all I can tell people. You were on a law school track for a while. Yeah, you? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think you have some radio background. Yeah, radio and television. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, worked for uh, Security Pacific Bank in California. Worked for uh, Salem Broadcasting. Uh, you know, uh, all these uh, different things that I did along the way. Um, you know, again, was accepted into three or four law schools. And I was on the track to hmm. uh, go to law school and. Uh, Lo and behold, the Lord just stepped in and short-circuited all that, mm. put me back in ministry. And I got out of ministry again, and then God put me back into ministry again. And, you know, so uh, all I can tell you is if God's got your heart, he's got the rest of you. Mm. That's good. the most important That's thing stuff. to understand. So, so don't worry about it. Just, uh, yeah, it's, life's such an exciting adventure. And it's been a long time since I was at the U of A. Uh, maybe you're at the U of A right now. Uh, but, uh, boy, when I look back on all of that, uh, I just, it's, it's just been such an amazing ride with Jesus and what he's done for me, I know he'll do for you. At the very least ask, if you don't 
ask. Yeah. You won't never find out. Anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given. But let him ask with faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Uh, let not uh, such a man believe they'll receive anything from God. But if uh, you, you ask God for wisdom and you say, okay, God, you say you're going to give it, you're not going to resent it, you're going to show me, just give me eyes to see and let me make those right calls for your yeah. glory. Good yeah. stuff. My, one of my mentors and president of our mission sending ministry, Dr. Don Byerly, did a great uh, series on knowing the will of God without fear and confusion. And I found it very, very insightful. Very, yeah, very is that available online? It is. If you go to Facebook and search for Dr. Don, live or live with Dr. Don, Dr. Don Byerly, um, and go through and just search the videos, the, all the live streams. Uh, it's called Knowing the Will of God Without Fear and Confusion. It's like a three or four part uh, live stream series that we did. Yeah. Uh, again, very, very good Bible study. And uh, I just wanted to let Mac D know, yeah, Mac D, uh, we're going to pray for Dora. Lord, please bless her, ease this pain that she is in, reach out and heal, and even use Mac to uh, make a difference in her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. God bless you. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.